the Lord, church. How's everyone doing out there on this New Year's Eve? Woo! Who's excited about church tonight? Yeah! We're going to have a blast. I can't wait. Um, I just have a disclaimer real quick. If anyone uh, was out in the foyer and they grabbed a piece of paper, maybe mistakenly thinking it was information of the church, um, that was actually part of my message, <laughs> my notes. So if you have that, if you would like to return that, that would be great. Um, if we could go ahead and put the, the first scripture up. Uh, let's go ahead and just pray real quick. Mighty God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for taking us through this year, God, for all the blessings you have given us, God, for, for everything you've done for us, Lord, all the, all the lessons we've learned, all, all the giftings that you give us, because we don't deserve it, God, but you love us. We are your children, and Lord Jesus, God, we, we need you every single day, Lord, and that you have never left us or forsaken us. Open up our hearts and open up our minds for the teaching and the reading of the word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you may be seated. So, uh, we just... Oh, perfect. <laughs> Found him. <laughs> you are wonderful. Woo! <laughs> Great. So um, the, the first, so we just came back from HYC. Uh, it is the, the youth convention to our youth. We have a pretty decent sized youth group. And, uh, and my message uh, to, to end the year is going to be about our, our youth and the power of our, our youth group to the elders and how elders can interact with the youth group or the youth in the culture that they were in and how it has completely changed in the culture that we are in today. Um, for some of you, you, you kind of see me wear this badge. This is P7. Uh, some of the, you, you guys may be seated. Uh, I'm going to read the word in just in a little bit. Uh, Project 7 is Bible clubs uh, that high schoolers and middle schoolers are going on school campus and they are reaching their campuses because they're the only ones that can do it. I can't go on their campus and do it for them and they're doing it. We have over 550 clubs uh, across the nation right now registered of young people doing just that. Uh, we have an incredible, powerful young uh, youth group, youth presence and they, they're, they're going to be replacing us one day. One day, someone that I taught will replace me. I, I can't wait. There's no greater joy than, than seeing those that uh, walk, or seeing so, the people that you taught walk in the truth of, of God, walking in the truth that you taught them. There's no greater joy, uh, John tells us. So in 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 16, it says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. If you go to the next one. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbyters. Or, uh, yeah. Uh, Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. The English Standard Version says, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. What is he talking about there? Christian character. 
your Christian character, what is it supposed to, what is your Christian character? It's your speech. It's your conduct. It's your love one to one another. It is our faith, and it is our what? It is our purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. What is he saying here? We have to devote ourselves to the mind of Christ. We have to devote ourselves to the Word of God. We have to devote ourselves from a young age all the way until we are now to, to the teaching of God, to showing people who the gospel or what the gospel is and who is the gospel. Do not neglect the gift you have. Do not neglect the gift you have. What is he talking about there? He's speaking to Timothy in this, in this message. What is the gift that he has? He is, uh, he's becoming a pastor. He is trying to encourage the youth. He's trying to encourage the young person to what? To not neglect, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how down you may be, no matter how alone you may feel, do not neglect the gift that God has given you. Don't neglect the gifts. Which he has given to you by prophecy, uh, with the counsel of the elders when they laid their hands on you. The elders and the youth. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. The only way to get better at them is to what? Is to practice. Practice makes perfect, right? We've been taught that since kindergarten. Practice makes perfect. Preparing yourself, practicing, and being, being disciplined in order to, to read the scriptures and to pray and, and to do all the things that God wants us to do. We have to practice them. We have to immerse ourselves in them. We have to saturate ourselves with them. That all may see your progress. Now, this isn't something that's, uh, that's for your ego or for, you know, when people see your progress, like it's to, it's to build you up, it's to puff you up. No, it's there for inspiration, right? It's to, when you see someone doing something, it inspires you as well to do it. It is inspiration. Now, sometimes that gets misconstrued with, because of our flesh and our carnality. And when we see someone doing something or doing well, and it, all of a sudden jealousy takes, well, that should be me. I should be the one that's up there doing that. Why is God blessing that person? And we see that, and, and you know, that's, that's within carnality, within our carnality. But, but what we need to do is look at that person, support that person, and what? Le let them lead by example. You have no idea who they're inspiring or what they're doing in the kingdom of God and how God is opening up doors and using them. Get behind them. Let them inspire you. Keep a close watch on yourself. And on the teachings, persist in this. Be persistent in this. Keep a close, a close watch on yourself. You know the Bible, the only person that the Bible says that can humble you is yourself. Humble yourself. That's the word of God. Humble yourself. Matter of fact, you're not supposed to humble one another because that typically ends in conflict. <laughs> Nothing like when someone tries to humble someone else. No. The Bible says humble yourself. You're the only one that can humble yourself. God can humble you. You're his child. But when it comes to watching yourself, humbling yourself, always be in the mindset of a servant. Always walk in humility, knowing who you are in God. Persist in this. For by doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Who? It's a powerful word that Paul was writing to Timothy. Despise not the youth. You see, 
the youth in what they're living in today has completely changed from when you were a child. At the rate that we receive information or that even younger people receive information is probably two or three times faster than how you received information when you were young. Especially with social media, uh, with just Wikipedia, um, there's libraries have been, how many people here went to libraries when they were younger? And they, they read books and stuff, yeah, we, we don't do that anymore. There's, no, we, there's really no need for a library, everything is online. The, the, at the rate that I can pick up information, that I can, that I can put together uh, really papers, historical content, or, or pull up videos to watch on how to do things, has completely changed from when you guys were young. But this has also come at great cost because now iPads have become babysitters. iPhones have become babysitters. There's no more, con and, we're, and really this world's wondering why the kids are losing compassion. They're losing, uh, and they're becoming more complacent. It's because they have no more real interaction between people. That interaction is gone. Did you know that the suicide rate now in teenagers is the highest it's ever been? And what they're relating it to, because there wasn't enough study uh, by the CDC or, or the uh, independent um, uh, researchers, that, that it's because that people aren't having enough physical interaction or, or contact with each other, physical conversation. Uh, there's no more friendship that, that is real friendship. It, it's all online. It's all fictitious. It's all fake. And so when people see things being posted on Instagram or they see things being posted on Facebook, it's the best of what they're doing, right? And when that person is looking at that, they're like, wow, they're really being used. They're, they're really doing good. And I'm just over here and I'm nothing because we've become so involved in a digital world. And it's all fictitious. It's all fake. It's all about what you're doing in the physical it's, it's about how you're doing mentally in your present mind, who your friends are around you, who your support group is around you. So what scientists are finding out is that the social media thing is a double-edged sword. And that the people who are, who are doing really good in it, they, they have something, you know, they, they feel really good. It's all about the likes, it's all about the attention, but the people who aren't, it's actually causing them to go into depression. That's hard for older people to wrap their mind around that this is what actually kids value nowadays in today's society. That they value a little heart that says like next to a picture. They value how many followers that they have. Do you want me to tell you what the greatest weapon of mass destruction is today? Your phone. Your smartphone is the greatest mass destruction in the young person's life today. Why? Because they can look up whatever they want on it. They are one click away from pornography. They are one click away from, from looking at how to kill themselves. They are one step away from looking at all these terrible things. But yes, they, are, they also have Bible apps on their phone. They also, they also can use it for good. It's not the technology, but what do people typically uh, gravitate to. They usually gravitate to the carnal side. I was looking up a stat. It's about one or two years old. It's uh, four trillion hours of cell phone data was contributed to pornography. Trillion. Four trillion hours. And that's just cell phone. That's not even computer. Your phone is a weapon of mass destruction. If you have a kid in here, 
please get covenant eyes on the phone. Please protect them. Uh, my phone can't actually get onto those websites along with a bunch of other websites that are perfectly fine that I want to get on, but they won't, le- won't let me. But I'm just like, okay, it, it outweighs the greater good, you know. Um, and, uh, and that's something that I do personally, being a single man, uh, to protect myself, to protect my heart. Uh, young people are going through so much more today than what you are going through. The influences, the peer pressure, and the rate the world moves is so much more. And, and also what is going on is a, a spirit of apathy and complacency concerning our youth. They're becoming lazier. I don't know if you guys can see that, but the idea of hard work uh, doesn't uh, resonate with them. Um, and it's, it's completely, I, I don't know, do you guys see the same thing or am I just speaking to the, okay, right, okay, great. Um, I just want to make sure I'm not by myself. So, I mean, and I'm not saying this is for everyone, I'm not making a blanket statement, but in general, the youth today is uninterested in God, in general. I asked a question to my high schoolers, the, uh, they're not in here so I can say this, it's great. Um, I asked a, a question to my high schoolers. I asked, hey, right now, if you were in front of God, do you believe that you would go to heaven? Simple question, right? There's about 20 kids in there. Not one of them raised their hand. Not one of them raised their hand because they're not living for God now because they believe they can live for God later when they get older. And that is the spirit, that is the attitude that is in our kids today. And that was not the culture of the church that was not the culture of, of the Hebrew nation. That was not the culture of the new generation church. It was the elders teaching the young people. It wasn't just the idea of a youth pastor didn't exist then. You know, the, the, the idea of the church construct that we have today didn't exist then. It was the elders that were coming into the teaching the young people. It was the elders guiding them. It was the elders that came and laid hands on them. It was the elders that came, when you're sick. You go to an elder, they pray for you. That's what the Bible says, and, and you'll recover, you'll be healed. Um, and it was, it was the elders, it was the saints of the church that watched and governed the young people. Now, I think youth pastors are great, you know, that, that's the way that the church has gone. But it, I think sometimes it puts a force field up around the youth group, and people are like, oh, the youth pastor has that. That's his responsibility, that's his job. No, it's the church's job. It's mothers and fathers' jobs to raise their kids, okay? It, it's, you, it, it, is, it is all of us as a, as a collective group of people to make sure that our kids make it, that the, young, that the next generation that's going to carry this on makes it, that, that signs, faith, wonders, miracles, that all these things get carried on through our youth. It's not, it's not just on the youth pastors. It starts in your home starts in the church, starts in everything. Don't allow iPads and iPhones to raise your children. First uh, John 2, 15 and 16. You see, the world has convinced us that we, we can make our mistakes when we're young, which we're supposed to. Young people are supposed to make mistakes. That's how we learn. And that there's no real consequence. That's the problem. Young people don't think that there's any real consequence uh, to their mistakes. The world has convinced us that we don't have to live for God right now, but that we can live later when we grow up and we mature, that we can live for God. So I can have fun now. So why not make the mistakes now, and then I'll get involved with God later, and I'll mature with God later. The problem is is that later comes a whole lot sooner than we think, and we're still not living for God. The world has 
<clears throat> the, the world has convinced our youth that it's okay to, it, that this is an okay way to live. You have plenty of time to live for God, so, so why not live for the world while you are young and you have the chance to? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's a reason why they, no one raised their hands in my classroom when I asked them if they believed they were saved, if God was, if, if they were in front of God and judgment. There's a reason why they felt that way, because this is exactly what's going on. This is kind of what inspired me to write this message to the elders of the church. It's the condition of their heart because they know that they're living right for God. They have condemnation within their life. What is condemnation? It is unrepented sin. It's the number one thing that allows or that, that tells kids that they're not good enough. They're not good enough to start a CMI, which is, uh, which is college ministry campuses, that they're not good enough to, to start a P7, that they're not good enough to have a, a Bible club or, or a Bible studies or, or to reach out to their friends or talk to Jesus about their friends because they have condemnation in their life. It's the same reason why a lot of us don't go out because, number one, a lot of people fear rejection. And the other thing is this condemnation in our lives. It's because I have a sin so deep and so dark in my life that I won't go reach out in the world because I don't feel worth it. I don't feel that I'm, that I'm worthy to do that. I'll let somebody who is better than me go out and do it instead. And it's a lie from Satan. It's repentance. If, if, you, if you bring forth your, your sin, if you bring forth that, and God is just to forgive you of those sins. You need to understand that God is, is a forgiving God. He is a redeeming God. He is not a God that wants you to live in condemnation. That's the complete opposite. The whole reason why he came here is so that you didn't live in condemnation. We can't allow Satan to get into our minds. Young people have the potential to change the world around them. A girl named Talia Lehman at the age of 10 started a nonprofit organization when Hurricane Katrina hit the New Orleans area. What she did was absolutely incredible. She raised over $10 million. This is a 10-year-old kid raised $10 million over the nation asking kids for money. She now is the CEO and the founder of Random Kid, an organization that empowers uh, people to go to, um, to, go to disaster zones and, and places. So, so Lehman, being 10 years old, being a Christian, she was inspired. She was young. She was able to move and, and say, I need to raise money for these people who have been affected by this disaster. And she raised $10 million. She's 16 years old now. She has been... Um, she has gotten honored by the U.S. Congress and the U.S. Senate, and she even, uh, she's even met the president at that time. She's about 16 or 18 years old now. Um, I can only imagine what would happen if teenagers or young people had this type of passion. They had this type of fire in order to help people, in order to spread the gospel, in order to show people who Jesus Christ is. But the problem is I can't get one kid to raise his hand. Solomon shares part of his reasoning in Proverbs. To give prudence to the naive and to the youth knowledge and discretion. We have to give the youth knowledge and make them believe it. But the only way that we can make them believe it is by living it ourselves. We need to look in the mirror and say, am I a good example for the youth group? Am I showing the youth group? Am I showing people in this world that I am a Christian? Am I doing the things I'm supposed to be doing? Am I inspiring? Am I radiating God or am I a drain? Am I draining the church? 
what am I? We need to look at ourselves. We need to be critical with ourselves. Too often young people are given a free pass when it comes to expecting much from them. Oh, the adults will do it. It's kind of not even biblical. Do you know how old the disciples were? They're teenagers. The oldest one was Peter. They said he was about the age of 21 years old. All the other ones ranged from the age of 15 to, to 21. They were young. They were young. They were vibrant. They believed. They had faith. And they changed the world around them within the three years that they were with Jesus Christ. And then beyond that, they never forgot. They knew exactly what they believed in. Do you know how old the kid was when, when they asked for the loaves of bread? He was what? He was a young man, right? If I was that young man, I saw the 5,000 people, and I'm the only one that prepared, I'd have been like, nah, you ain't taking my food. But no, he, he believed. He said, yeah, yeah, Philip, you can take my food. Go ahead. And Jesus fed the multitudes, 5,000 men. It doesn't even mention women and children. That was 5,000 men. Who else? Who, who knows how many people were actually there? Young people have so much power. Solomon's point is not to underestimate the youth. For they are capable of having great wisdom and understanding. Or at the very least being pushed and led in that direction. We can push them and lead them in that direction if we're living it ourselves. It is not biblical for young people to be regarded as rebellious. As a nuisance or uninterested in the things of God. It is not acceptable to be simply entertain, or to entertain them or to tickle their ears. Doing just enough to make them go to church and to be social for an hour or two and keeping them out of trouble for a short period of time. Solomon sets a standard, a high standard for our youth and the leaders of our next generation. Joshua was a servant of Moses from his youth. And we know that Joshua came to be a great godly leader of his time. Hosea inherited the kingdom of Judah at the age of eight years old. And at that time, Judah was not living for God. They were sacrificing the strange gods. They were living for strange idols. They, they were not doing what, the, what it was originally intended to do. And at eight years old, he, he, they say that he found the book Deuteronomy, or, or nobody really knows, but that's what historians say. And then he began to read, and he began to seek God. And when he began to seek God, that he began to change, he began to pull down the idols, he began to put things right with God, and God said that he was very pleased at a man who, or at a young boy who was eight years old. Don't despise our youth. Then look at David. Then Saul said to David, you are not able to fight against this Philistine, but you are a youth. Well, he has been a warrior from his youth. Indeed, the attitude that young people are not able was around even back then. Saul ignored David. Samuel, a righteous man of God, didn't expect, didn't expect to choose David as king. That was a man of God. That was a prophet. He didn't even expect to choose someone from his youth to be the next king. When the Philistines looked and saw David, they disdained him, for he was but a youth and rudely and with a... Handsome appearance. <laughs> Yet we know how the story unfolded. God worked through this young man through faith. See, it's not a question 
about your age. It's a question about your faith. Your age does not matter. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. You have, you have a gift and you have a calling in your life. It's about your faith. It's about your passion. It's about your fire. It's about what, what you want from God and what God wants from you. Indeed, the attitude that the young people are not able was around even back then. Yet we know how the story unfolds. Goliath went down to a rock because God fought for him. He didn't fight that. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, maybe he did a little bit, but he did what he was supposed to do to put himself in the position to succeed. That's what he did. And God carried that power with him for, uh, through all through his, his kingdom. What a powerful and vivid lesson to, to know the, the, the relevance and the value of serving God at your youth. David stood up against Goliath. If he didn't, if Saul would have never let him, or if he didn't, the history of Israel would be completely different. He ended up doing what the grown-ups failed to do at the time. He ended up doing, this young man ended up doing what, what the armies, men of valor, the, the, the strong men failed to do at the time. We must be willing to encourage our young people to search through the scriptures and to be taught the full counsel of God. We cannot bail out on them or just think that they're okay. Our youth are not okay. You can look across the world and say, or across the nation and say, our youth are not okay. But those same problems that you see on the news, those same problems that you hear about are the same problems our youth go through. You can't, we can't be naive and just think, no, they're godly kids. They go to church. They're not dealing with worldly things. They are. They're dealing with them. They're being influenced by them. And guess what? They're probably involved in some of it. We can't be naive. We can't be blinded by what we think. We have to, <laughs> we have to really pursue their lives. We have to, and I'm not saying be annoying about it or anything like that. I'm just saying like we have to use some wisdom and knowledge and not be naive to the devices of Satan. He wants to destroy an entire generation of people. Timothy wrote, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech conduct love, faith, and purity. Do not, Timothy, do not allow people to look down on your youthfulness. What is he saying? Who, who is useful to the master when it came uh, faithful to service? It, it is the elder, uh, those who are the most experienced. You are the most useful people in the church when it comes to the youth. The elders. Because you were already young once. <laughs> like, you have the experience. No, the youth might not listen to you, but do you know what? You said it. And hopefully you planted that seed. And when they do go through it, then what? Like, oh, now I know what, I know what that, that man was saying to me. And guess what that does to a young person? Maybe they didn't listen to you that time, but I bet you they might listen to you the second time. I bet you the next time they come to you, they're like, hey, you know what you said? That's exactly what happened, and I'm paying for it right now. So I'm going to listen to you this time because I don't want to go through that again. Be there for the youth. Help the young people. They are the future generation. Paul understood that the people would not judge Timothy based, or that, that they would judge Timothy based on his outward appearance, his youthful look. His letter to Timothy was simply not to, to bend to the ridicule of others, but to fulfill his calling by living out a godly life before them. All he could do was be an example of wisdom and discretion. 
and pray that God would show people that his age was not a limiting factor where his, their faith was. If we look at some of the older stories in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Does anybody know how old they were when they went into the fiery furnace and they would not bow to a nation? They were anywhere from the age of 8 to 18. That they would not bow to a nation. They would not bow to a God from the age of 8 to 18. Young people are powerful and they're resilient. They have the ability not to, not to bow to nations, to carry on a doctrine, to carry on who they are, to carry on the identity of Jesus Christ into the next generations and the generations to come. Uh, the young lad with his lunch, I already talked about him. God bless him. <laughs> Regardless of your age, you are able to place your life in the hands of God and allow him to work. God is doing and will do and will do a great work in this world. He chooses to use people of all ages to accomplish his persons or to accomplish his purposes. How wonderful it would be to allow him to use us to accomplish his great things, to, to the great things that he wants to do in our lives. I know that I, I've been using the youth, but now I'm going to focus on everyone here. I think that there are some people who think that they're too old to work in ministry or to minister to God or, or that they're, they're too broken or that they, they have too much going on in their life. And I want to let you know now that is a lie. It is an absolute lie. It's a lie that you tell yourself. It is a lie that, you t that Satan tells you in, the, in your ear. It's just enough so that you won't get up out of bed or you won't get up from your TV show or you won't just go out and do something for God. It's just, a, it's just a great lie. Maybe there's some condemnation. There's some unrepented sin in your life. There's something that's going on that is stopping you and it's hindering you from working in the kingdom of God. Because I know that every single person sitting in this room has the impression on their life that they're meant for more, to do more in God's kingdom, right? Raise your hand if you believe that you can do more in God's kingdom. And that you've always had that burning desire. You've always had that urge to do more. And that your life is not supposed to be mediocre, but it's supposed to be powerful through the eyes of God. That we're supposed to be reaching the world around us. Your age doesn't matter. Your position doesn't matter. Where you are in life right now doesn't matter. Because all that matters is the person next to you that's not saved. All that matters is the person that, that doesn't know who Jesus Christ is. And when you go to work, that person doesn't know who Jesus Christ is. But our attitude might suggest that we might not even know who Jesus Christ is at that workplace. So... There is an opportunity for you. Wherever you go, wherever someone who is unsaved or lost to do more for the kingdom of God, there is no greater blow to the kingdom of hell when you talk to someone about the gospel, when you talk to someone about liberation through Jesus Christ. There is no greater feeling when watching someone be uh, accept Jesus Christ as their, as their personal savior, their, their God, and, and someone who never knew him, and then all of a sudden they begin to repent. They say, God, I, I accept you. You are my God, and I'm sorry for what I've made in my life. And they, and they repent, and they, they go down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ, and they come out, and they are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. There is no greater thing that you could ever see, that you could ever do for the kingdom of heaven, and there's no worse thing that you do for the kingdom of hell because they want that soul and everything that you're going through is a is a battle for that soul the reason why you're 
having things come against you is to stop you to, from doing the things you're supposed to do. Every time an attack comes against your family, every time an attack comes against your finances, every time an attack comes against you in general, where, where you just start hearing things that people are saying about you, or you just start going through things that are unexplainable, and you ask God why, and he's just like, so what? He's like, you're my child, I'll never leave you or forsake you, don't worry about that, just do what I've called you to do. So if we could all just stand and, and just pray, we're going to go ahead and pray over the youth and pray over ourselves because sometimes we we lose our purpose in the midst of all the distractions of this world so if we could all just raise our hands and just pray over our youth real quick mighty god we love you lord we exalt you thank you for this mighty youth group that you've given this church this 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 youth group that's on fire for god lord that we would be there for them in a time of need god that they would seek out the elders for counsel and that we would seek them out in order to teach them and to help them through life mighty god right now that we pray a special anointing on them a fire on them lord a a, a hedge of protection around their minds and their hearts lord for the world that they live in now is unrecognizable to us, God. We didn't go through the things that they're going through, but God, right now that your hand would be on them, that you would dispatch angels unto their life to protect them and to shield them, to help them keep their innocence, to help them keep their purity, God, that you would put protectors around them, Lord. Oh, mighty God, that they're the next generation, Lord, to reach this world, to carry on your truth, to carry on your doctrine, Lord. To carry on the hope of this world. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. And right now, God, look into my life, Lord. Look into my life, God, that I know I have a purpose in my life. I may have forgotten about it years ago, but you gave me a promise, Lord. And I want to grab a hold of that promise. Oh, God, Lord, I need you. Forgive me, Lord. Seek, seek through my heart, Lord. Make me pure again. Oh, Lord, we need you, we need you, we need you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.